What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, here we go. Pac-12 fans, this one's for you. Put your hands up, This is the Pac-12 Apostles. Keeping it real. And only the truth lives here. Pac-12 Apostles. The NCAA transfer rule has been cemented, and now players can no longer be blocked by places like the University of Washington, Oklahoma from being immediately eligible even when they transfer in conference. This is a great, great thing. Uh, The dead period is ending for college sports as it relates to the coronavirus on May 31st. So 2021 kids can get who haven't signed like JT Tua Malau can go on his recruiting visits. Um, Coaches will be out and about. They can hold camps, all those things. Arizona men's and women's basketball is in the news. Got a new coach and a current coach is doing big things. The Pac-12 Networks has a surplus. Can you believe it? On Larry Scott's way out. And he's like, yo, yo, I told you. I was I was, I was on the right path. And you guys fired. Ah. Um, yeah, right. Uh, and USC is escaping NCAA penalties, even though their assistant coaches are not. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amston. And this is the Pac-12 Apostles. So, Ralph, um, as we record again, so we like to tell people the truth, the things that really go on around here. So we're recording the podcast and we started the podcast. We got about good five, seven, seven minutes in. And I go, hey, Ralph, Ralph, Ralph. And he's like, what? You forgot to hit record, didn't you? I don't know how he knew this. Maybe, maybe we're like been working together so long now that he's like, I can tell the timber in your voice when you screw something up. And he knew I screwed up. So I we're redoing, re-recording part of a podcast that we already recorded. Good job. George. Yep. Good job, George. 
Good job. Uh, welcome back. We do uh, we do another show, but I took a couple of weeks off, and uh, this is our first Pack Twelve Apostles show in like twenty days. And I had a lot of people reach out to me and ask if, since I moved to North Carolina, if we were still going to keep up the Pack Twelve Apostles podcast. This was the most important thing to them, uh, and so shout out to them. Yes, we are keeping it going, and um, it's really cool that people listen to this show. Like, I will never get over the fact that uh, that. Um, that we got a bunch of people that 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 uh, have latched onto this, that enjoy Pac-12 discussion, Pac-12 culture, and Pac-12 sports, 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 sports. sports. <laughs> Almost got that word in. Oh, yeah, it's like the Charlotte Charlotte accent trying to trying to creep in. Yeah, um, they, you know, no. you know they love their Pac-12 sports. Uh, Ralph has already become a Southerner already, guys. He he belongs to the streets. Clearly, we've we, we've lost him already. Hey, 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 y'all got any more of that Pac-12 network? YouTube TV. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you can tell people how you moved into the money pit. So Ralph moved to from Phoenix, Arizona, Pac-12 country all the way. He moved three whole time zones and he bought a house basically sight unseen and he got the money pit with Tom. Who's, who's in the money, money pit? Tom Cruise? Tom Hanks, I think. Yeah. I haven't. Or is that big? I'll tell you this. I've not seen the money pit and I don't think I'll be watching it because I am living it right now. Um, Dude, you you have yeah. to watch it. You you have to watch it. It's from 1986. Yeah, it's got Tom Hanks, uh, Shelley Long, yeah, Phil Phil Bosco, and a couple other people. Oh oh, and Joe Man Mantegna are in it. Are in it? Yeah. I you don't think I'll just be upset the whole time? Uh, so yeah, I could use some of that Pac-12 surplus money to to. I just wrote a five thousand dollar check to the the pool guy. We need a brand new pump. Brand new. They put a pump and a filter for an above ground pool on a below ground pool. Turned the motor on and it blew. So uh, had to drop five thousand dollars to so get. So how fixed. did it work at first? Because they clearly, or do you think it wasn't working and the pool was green? And then they were like, "Oh, we're getting ready to sell the sell the yeah. house, so we got to put yep. a pump on it." Yeah, and neighbor, I met the neighbors on all sides. Everybody's super friendly. Um, I, I got like a three neighbors near me that are all in their late seventies, all retirees, all built their homes in the mid nineteen seventies, and then this home, which was uh, owned by a family who was actually previously renting it, they bought the home and then they they flipped it and made a mint. Um, we we definitely helped that family come up. And I mean, they didn't even clear the house out. So we, we drove six days. I drove six days here with three kids in the car, showed up and the house was full of their stuff. And I had to make a decision right then and there. Do I pay for a hotel for a few days while they come back and collect all their stuff, delaying the closing of the home and possibly causing us to have to resubmit a bunch of documents? Or do I just sign on the dotted line and clear the house out myself? So I decided to sign on the dotted line. I've been clearing their stuff out for days Finally unpacked all the pods and moved our stuff in. We've had to pay thousands of dollars to a plumber because they were on well water and they didn't put a filter in. So they were drinking water with lead in it and the well was pumping sediment into the toilet pipes and sink pipes. So there's like leaves and sand in all, all the sinks and toilets. We had to get those replaced. Um, 
They got, I mean, they, they, they got water issues, wall issues. It, the fact that they were even like living here is hilarious. Had to yeah. pay $650 just to get it deep clean, just to be able to sleep on the floor before our stuff arrived um, in the pods. And so it, it's been an experience for sure. It, this was a Larry Scott run household before we got on the job. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it's going to be a work in progress. And uh, I look forward to, doing this podcast from this place. Hopefully we can get the internet to work. We're going to keep doing this podcast. I love doing this podcast and um, yeah. Yeah. We'll keep you updated on the progress of this house as we, as we get going. Dude, it's been an adventure just hearing it. You know, when you call somebody and you're like, yo, and you know, it's going to be a great story. This is what we've been getting (laughs) from uh, Ralph. You're, You're just like, Oh dude, yes, this will be absolutely amazing. Um, so the NCAA, it has finally passed the transfer rule. So Colton Yankoff, the, um, the other kid, um, oh, what's his uh, name? His brother plays at Cal. Ethan Garbers. Yeah. Ethan, Ethan, Ethan Garbers transferring. Go, they both went to UCLA. Washington was like, no, we're, you're not being immediately eligible. How dare you kid want to leave us, even though you're not our starting quarterback here. Cause we got to compete against you. And even though I'm making five, three, five million dollars, I, I can't I can't handle one transfer kid. And you have Washington people like buying all into it. Oklahoma people buying all into it. But now the NCAA, even though it's like 10 years too late, finally did something right in this way. Yes, yes, I I 100 percent. Agree. Um, although I think both you and I don't like it. We like that it exists. We hope it does not get used too frequently. <laughs> I don't know why we're why we're hoping that. We've already seen with the transfer portal that that's already happening. Or maybe the fact that like I like the one time transfer rule because okay, first thing is kids sometimes they go to the wrong school, right? And then they, they'll go to the wrong school and then they'll figure it out. They will figure it out and be like, yo, I don't fit here. I'm not going to play here. Maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was or the situation was different. Uh, the coaches that may have, like, I think that sometimes coaches lie or exaggerate in recruiting. I think that this puts Sometimes. A, yes. I, I think that this puts an onus on the coach to be 100 about everything so you know I, I i don't i like it but i do think that there are some unintended consequences from it i think i keep hearing the phrase transfer culture um entitlement culture uh gen z kids don't know how to stick things out or work hard and they expect things handed to them let's be very 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 crystal clear transfer culture was created by the transfer culture of assistant coaches going from school to school. Because every single one of these coaches will say out loud, don't commit to the coach, commit to the school. Don't make a four-year decision, make a 40-year decision. They say these things, but they're all platitudes and they don't actually mean them. And the reason that you know that they don't actually mean those things is the schools shell out ridiculous amount of money for these assistant coaches who are good recruiters because they know the 
difference between having good players and having not as good players are the assistant coaches that you surround your head coach with. Yep. Period. That that people get hired based on their ability to recruit, their ability to sell you, their ability to convince you. And then those assistant coaches become in high demand and they demand a higher price everywhere they go. A guy like Dante Williams, who shout out to Dante, who has me blocked on Twitter. You can unblock me if you want to, Dante Williams. I'm, I don't bite. Um, and I'm not going to be biting in this phrase, but a guy like Dante Williams, who went from San Jose State to University of Arizona to Nebraska, um, Nebraska to Oregon to USC, in like six all years. of those schools, right? And all of those schools wanted him for a very specific reason. And all of those schools got results. But do you expect the kids that he brought to Nebraska to not maybe consider following him to Oregon or the kids that he brought to Oregon can not consider following him to Southern California if they're old, if he's ultimately the reason that they made that commitment to that school? You created transfer culture. You created transfer culture. So you can't bitch about it. You just can't. Fans have every right to bitch about transfer culture. But they have to understand that their schools are contributing to it through designing a system in which you financially reward people for their ability to be salesmen. Yep. Dude, that that is and when these coaches can bounce from year to year, the kids follow. Yeah, that that's a great point that I think a lot of people ignore, which is they want to put the responsibility solely on the student athletes when in reality the coaches are the one who did it like the coaches are the ones who don't stay they chase the money they and and mind you i'm not begrudging them for for doing that because we are all trying to um you know make the most money have the best opportunity fulfill our goals all of those things and that may mean moving around a little bit it, particularly in the coaching profession, because you don't know where your opportunity is going to come from. Like you may be a grad assistant at the University of, you know, at Washington State. And then all of a sudden, because of who coaches there, Miami offers you the wide receiver job. And that's your best or only offer. You're going to leave and go to Miami. And then you're next. And then you're in Miami for two or three years. And then uh, Montana State offers you the head coaching job. You're going to Montana State probably. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I I get it, but the idea that the players are the ones that are, you know, entitled, they don't want to stick it out. Nah, it's the coaches and that started it, and they're making good money, being well compensated, particularly in the power five. So, you know, I, I don't I don't mind it. I don't mind the kids leaving. And there's a second way. But there is a second way that these coaches are contributing to transfer culture because, George, what happens when a coach arrives at a school, sees a crop of kids that he didn't recruit? Mm -hmm. Oh, he gets them. He gets he forces them out like that's the dirty little secret amongst college football is that in college sports in general, they will show up to your they were like, hey, hey, Ralph, come uh, let me let me let, let me holler at you. Hey, what's up, coach? You know, I'm happy that you're uh, here. Happy to see you. And he's like, OK, so look, listen, I'm a I'm a coach who's going to be real with you. I'm, I'm a look in your eye and I'm going to tell you the truth. You're not going to play here, Ralph. 
you're just not. I'm sorry. You know, so, but I want to support you and your dreams and your desire to play college football. So you can stay here if you want. If you still want to be at the University of the Pac-12 Apostles, you can stay. But if you actually want to play, then you need to look for somewhere else to play. And you know what I can do for you even more? Because because I think you're a great person. I want to help you is I'll help you find a place to go. How about that? How does that sound? Right. And then what happens? The player goes on Twitter and they pull, they whip out the notes app and they post after much prayer and consideration with my family, I have decided <laughs> to enter my name into uh, the transfer portal and find the right fit for me. Thank you to the University of Pac-12 Apostles um, for everything and Thank you to the coaches because they're not going to burn those bridges on the way out the door. They never want to know, know when those coaches are going to come back around. So I want to thank the coaches for giving me this, this opportunity, but I think it's best that I enter my name in the transfer portal at this time. And what's the first thing that happens in their mentions? Scared to compete. You're scared to compete. <laughs> and it's like, I'm, and if people don't believe that this is actually what happens, like trust me when I say that I listened to a Pac-12 position coach come in at a school a few years ago and say, I need to get these garbage players out of here. And then after yep. he had actually, after one play, two players medically retired that were in the position group that he coached, he's like, now I just got to work on this third. Got to get these fat short guys out of here. And it was like, man, you're an idiot. Like you, you don't think I'm going to rat you out. Do you not like, know I am Ralph Amsden? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Let's not do that. Do you know who I am? But it's like, you're going to talk that informally. You're going to disrespect these kids who – I'm an ideologue about this one thing. If you are a coach – I think I've said this on the podcast before. If you're a coach who is getting paid by a school and you, you accept a position with that school and you are a player – who commits to play within an NCAA system that you are trading your talent and skill set for an education room and board, but you're not actually being compensated in the way that the coach is being compensated. If you commit to a school to be an amateur there, wear the name of the school on your chest, the number on your back and the school colors. And let's say that it's um, Cal. Let's say that it's university of California. Yeah. You as a player are more of a Cal bear than that coach will ever be. In fact, that coach is not, they're an employee. You yes. chose, they take a paycheck. So when you have guys come in who take a paycheck and they, they disrespect the idea that these other players came in and chose to be part of that system, right? Yeah. I don't have any respect for you. None whatsoever. I think you should respect the fact that people made that, that choice. And some of these coaches are like borderline halfwits when it comes to the idea that they can't grasp that the world is very, very small and that people talk. Yep. Like very offensive true. linemen all go to offensive linemen camps. Wide receivers go to wide receiver camps. Quarterbacks go to quarterback camps. And, and then these former players, uh, former high school players that are in college now come back and they help instruct these camps and they say, yo, how are things at University of Pac-12 Apostles? 
and the players and their parents are going to be talking to the parents on the sideline. Like, and you can never believe these coaches. They're yep. full of shit. They lie. They're trying to push me out right now. They're trying to bring, bring in somebody t- to replace me, or they told me I was the guy, and then they brought somebody in that was a, a graduate transfer. I mean, I don't believe anything they say. Like, oh, well, they're recruiting my kid right now. Yeah, we'll look for them to say these three or four things. Oh, and as soon as they say them, and then that uh, out the window, and that's just homie. it. And I'm, I've, I've, right, right, exactly. And, and then you have fans wonder, well, like, whoa, why can't my school get a grasp on recruiting this certain area? It's because that certain area is talking to each other. They know what's up. Yep. And so they, they, this whole thing drives me nuts. If people get upset at transfer culture, I personally also do not like transfer culture and would love to see players stick around, fight it out, play when they're more physically ready to do so. Um, but that's just not how things are working. And the actual system is driving people into it. And then you have all these coaches speak with disdain about transfer culture while they ha- they're they clicking refresh on the portal every single day to see if they can bring in somebody who's already graduated from well, somewhere else to come in and take the place of the players who have been committed there for three or four years. Well, how about how this is going to impact the the numbers and the high school recruits? Because high school recruiting, there's it used to only be like, you know, that you get your class of 25 up to 25 each year, 85 scholarships. But transfers count in those 25, at least they do for right now and for this upcoming year, because they've already passed the deadline to pass new um, to a pass new quote unquote laws, if you will, new regulations for the NCAA. Um that you're going to have like, how are all these kids who are in the portal supposed to get out? And then there's the idea that, all right, all these kids are in the portal. So now a, how do they get out? And then B less high school kids are going to get scholarships because people are transferring because coaches are going to be saving scholarships for the transfers. It's it's scary. I know a former four-star defensive back who is still in the portal and has been there for months Oof. and doesn't have any bites yet. I know a, I know a former three-star quarterback. These are both Pac-12 players, by the way, who is in the portal right now and still uncommitted. And it's been a lot longer than I'm used to seeing quarterbacks be in the portal. And this is somebody who has started a game in yeah, the Pac-12. Does that mean that like, he's uh, not? Does does that mean he's looking for offers that are better than what he that are he's looking for different offers than what he's getting? So do you think that that's the answer, or do you it, think he's not getting any offers? I think that, that I think that it's a situation where you 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 come in and you have the coaches tell you like, hey, you're third or fourth on the depth chart, you're not going to play here. You know, we'll honor your scholarship if you want to stick around. It's everything that you said it was. Uh, and then they convince them that, hey, you're probably if you want to play, if playing is your priority, then you're probably best looking elsewhere. And that's just me being honest with you. But they're not. Well, here's the right? thing. They're though, not. Is that it's not their best option. Yeah. But is not your best option is to get in the port, have a destination or at least know that somebody wants you before you hop in the portal? Because so many people, I think, hop in prematurely because they think that they have more value to other people in their minds than what other people actually value them as. Because 
until this last year, uh, schools had not had departments literally and staff dedicated to college recruiting because they had that they dedicate part of their staff to high school recruiting. But now you have to dedicate somebody where, where they do in the NFL, which is there's pro personnel and then there's college personnel. So they do scouting for both. So now you're going to have to have somebody to scout college players to see, Oh wait, hold up. This dude might, might, might be coming in the portal. We'll take him if he won't. And then you're going to have tampering, yeah. all this. Stuff. It could be a mess, dude. Oh, for sure. No, the, the, there's definitely – we are definitely as close to the possibility of recruiting people on other teams as we have ever been. I mean, it's it's it already happens, and it already has happened um, for a long time. But we're, we are currently in a position where assistant coaches are going to see that part of their ability to come up, part of their ability to cash a paycheck is to get as many good players as possible. And if you have a prior relationship with somebody that you recruited who's at a different school, and you now know that, in, that you can transfer once without penalty, then you, you, could, you could send a text message to a friend of a friend or directly to that parent saying like, Hey, there's opportunity here. If your kid's looking. Yeah. So, and that is recruiting. Yeah. And that, but then this goes to what's going on too. So you're going to have July 1st name, image and likeness legislation start to kick in, in the state of Florida. The Senate hasn't kicked down any legislation as it relates to this, where the NCAA went in front of them. I got a chance to testify in front of the Senate for it. They still haven't gotten anything back yet. So the wild, wild West starts on in, on July 1st, which is, which means all the other conferences, not even just the conferences, because the sec is going to be at a disadvantage because Florida is going to have a leg up. Some of these other bills start in start this year too. Some of them start Jan- January first. So this is a big deal, dude. And the Senate has to get something done because if you're a kid and you and you're like, hold up, hold up. Either I can go to Miami, Florida, UCF, even um, South Florida, any of these schools, or I can go to like Tennessee, Ole Miss, um, Auburn but I can go there and make money. Where the hell am I going? Like, this is a no brainer, buddy. It's a no brainer. And you brought up another thing that I think is important. And I've been thinking about it ever since you, you you were talking about it just a few minutes ago, which is that people aren't jumping into the transfer portal for the right reasons. They're doing it out of emotion. And we know that to be true. We're not just speculating because look what happened when university of Arizona fired Kevin Sumlin. Yep. The entire, their receiving cord jumped into the portal and you're Jed like, fish was able to bring them back. And you're like, why and if are Jed fish was able to bring them back? Where are right. you going to go? Jed, y'all weren't that good except for uh, joiner. There was a couple joiner. Yeah. But like, so that's a big thing is like you have a whole position group jump into the portal. And then you have that whole position group come back out of the portal. When you have a coach come in and be able to massage their egos and let them know there's a place for you here. Everything that you were concerned about from your time before we can address those things. And that could tell you like somebody walked out of the door and they slammed the door behind them and they were just being emotional. They just needed to walk around the front yard, take a few deep breaths, smoke yep. a cigarette, come back in. And, you know, and, and that like that, 
needs to be that needs to be addressed. And I don't know if the NCAA can be trusted as an organization to provide essentially what is going to ultimately end up being career counseling, not somebody who's going to steer these kids, but somebody who's going to let them know this is actually what the transfer portals look like. Here's 50 people who jumped in the portal that don't have a home anymore. This was their situation. You might think that you're different than them. And here's some other success stories, but like we're in the beta stages of what the transfer portal looks like it actually took a few years for grad transferring to become something that was actually a player going to another team that actually made contributions. Yep. Everybody was looking at Russell Wilson thinking that they're going to be Russell Wilson. Everybody was looking at Devin Lucian saying like, Oh, he, he grad transferred. And then all of a sudden he, he earned himself a seventh round pick from the new England Patriots when he wasn't really doing much at, at UCLA. Those guys were exceptions. Most grad transfers, came in and weren't able to get their footing right away. Now so many people are doing it that the percentage that have success is a little bit higher. Yeah. Um, but it's, we're in, the, we're in the beta stages and I just, I don't know how many college kids or college athletes listen to this, but I just want to caution people against that. I, I think the pendulum is going to swing, George. I think so many people are going to be in the transfer portal that staying is going to become the new leaving. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause they're going to be like, mm, Yeah. Nah, it, it ain't out there. But and then and here's the other thing is, yeah. Do you ever I go to, to like? Do you ever go to a fast food restaurant? Because I don't feel like you're this kind of person. But do you ever go to a fast food restaurant and like something goes wrong, and like the drive-through gets backed up, and the line gets backed up, and you're toward the back of the line, and in your head you're like, people are gonna get sick of this. They're gonna bail, and I'm gonna get my food faster than I would have anyway. Uh, like that is the current. I feel like you, you're a guy like, don't waste my time. My time is money. I'm, yes, correct. I'll leave it. Yeah, exactly. Meanwhile, I'm a guy that's like, man, I didn't have shit to do anyway. I'm going to stick around and see what happens. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, half the, half the restaurant has a Reister mindset. And I'm t- 10 minutes later, while they're still driving to the next restaurant, I got my food. See, yeah. So I, I think is- staying is going to become the new leaving. Okay. Well, see, here's the thing is that is that staying well, kids kids get knocked. Oh, he doesn't want to compete. Oh, he left. Here's the thing is if that because that is true for some percentage of the kids. If that's true, you didn't want them at your school anyway. Let them leave. Don't bash them. Just say, oh, thank you. Do you did us a favor? But the reason why fans are mad and they talk shit is because they're that they feel like they lost something valuable. Um, and now that's emotional. Yeah. It's an emotional process. Arizona state basketball just had the whole damn team enter the portal. (laughs) Meanwhile, they landed George. They landed three of the top five available transfers. Yep. What are you supposed to do as an ASU basketball? Every time a, a player enters the portal, you're like, Oh my God, something must be wrong with Bob. Bobby Hurley, this program's a mess. They got to fire him. They got to move on right now. And then the next day, some dude who offered uh, uh, average like 22 a game at a mid-level <laughs> conference is like, I, I cannot wait to get to Arizona State to play for Bobby yeah. Hurley. And you're like, oh, my God, this dude's a genius. We need to keep him around forever. And then the next day, another guard leaves, and you're like, ah, it is a yo-yo. And it's, it, I feel like there's a potential there to damage the enjoyability of the game. See, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think so because 
people just want to see the name win. Like, and I think it puts a premium on the guys who do stay. They'll become legends. Like they will have a chance to really become legends at, at their school. And then guys will come in who have like a fabulous year and they will be like, yo, I'd score more, more points than anybody in the history in a single season. Why is this dude getting more, more love? Because he's been here with the uh, fans. You just got, got here. No new friends, homeboy. Do you, would you agree that consistency, continuity, and chemistry contribute to the overall enjoyability of sports as a product? What are those adjectives? Five offensive linemen, consistency, continuity, and chemistry. Consistency, continuity, that they, that, that it improves my like watchability. I would say on the overall some level, so, like, like, here, like I like to know the players. Like there is something about about that where like you're watching the game, you're like, "Who the fuck is this dude? Like where where the hell did he come from?" <laughs> and, okay, but I'm I'm more specifically more specifically I'm referring to the actual play on the field because I remember back in the day, and you back in the day you were probably playing at that time. Remember when Priest Holmes was going off, and yeah. then Larry Johnson after him. Yep. Okay, so Priest Holmes is going off, and one of the things that the, yeah, one of the things that they would always say when Priest Holmes would go out there and have like 180 yards rushing, 75 yards receiving, four touchdowns total, right? One of the things that they would say is this offensive line has been playing together for 160 yeah, no, consecutive that, games. That matters, yeah. Right. Right. So what I'm saying is, let's say that you take like major college football and the average team. Uh, that is playing at a really high level or is ranked in the top 10 or whatever, that you take the 22 starters and you say, oh, they've been at this school. If you average out all 22 starters, they've been at this school for an average of uh, 3.1 years or something like that. And then transfer culture comes in and contributes to your top 10 teams. Maybe instead of 3.1 years, maybe it's like 2.4 don't you think the overall quality of the game and the ability um, to, to to produce a high-level product goes down, take away the ability to have that continuity, chemistry, and consistency? Um, I think that after you get past a year, it doesn't matter. that like Because college kids rotate in and out so much because there's only so many years that they can stay. That after they've been there, that I think that what you're saying is right for the first year that a transfer gets in. But the second time he's there, he's just like he was like a freshman that came in. Like, and it's his second year, year there. There's no difference. I don't, I, I don't think. But it's, but it's easier for there to be no difference when you have somebody who comes in for their first year and there's 10 other guys who had already been there for a year. And then when you come in for your second year, all those same guys are there. Yeah. But when you come in, when you come in for your first year and you're coming in with seven guys who are all coming in for their first year and there's only two or three there with the established culture. And then that next year, those two or three are gone. Where do you gain a foothold to become that consistent force? Well, I, I think that the majority of your team has to be the people that that are there. That you can't have it like a revolving door. You know what I mean? Like it like it's been in basketball. I think that you yeah, have just, to have I think that that foot, football is a little bit different because in basketball you have these guys being one and one and done and all of that kind of kind of stuff so you can't build that culture and it's so uh you know 
pressed upon the coach to be able to uh, do that. Um, next up, though, the recruiting dead period is going to be over May 31st. This is exciting news to the Washington fans, who I'm always taking a dig at. Hi, 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 Huskies. Because um, they were like, yo, this is going to be the year of the decommit. All these kids are going to decommit. Nope, sorry. I called it. They were not. They wanted to lock in their spots. It was a pandemic. They weren't going to be able to take, take visits. Sorry, buddy. And they're like, yo, we can't sign anybody. They can't get here on campus. And I'm like, Everybody is in the same situation. Maybe you should recruit better over Zoom and on the phone. Like you can't well, blame I, other people when everybody else is in the same exact circumstance. But that's not over. Like the state of Washington, state of Washington, had plenty of talent right there this last year. Maybe one Neke of the most talented. Buka, T, TJ Tool, uh, J, JT Tool, Malau, and a couple other kids as well. Has he picked a school yet? Is he just chilling? Is no, he going to no, pull he, a giant? Najee Harris and just show up on campus in August. Basically, he's going on all five of his recruiting visits after June first. Good luck to him. I am super curious. I've been a huge fan of his for three years, and I'm tired of waiting. I hope it's the Pac-12. I hope he will. Hope, he will be in the Pac-12, buddy. Hope. He will be four hours south of Seattle. <laughs> Four hours south south of or, Seattle, and then and then all the Washington fans. Eighty two at at playing for Oregon State. No, that's that's three and a half hours. Oh, no. okay. In, in Eugene, slow. and then all Washington fans be like, "Yo, he followed the bag man. He followed the bag man." Um, um, NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There is news, though, in... Um, so, about, about, about the tournament, because the Pac-12 had a fabulous men's and women's NCAA tournament. Absolutely fabulous. You can't get any better than what the women did in terms of pretty much every team in the Sweet 16, few in the Elite Eight, and the championship game, the Pac-12 had to win. The Pac-12 had to win. Like, there was no losing. Even if Arizona had beaten Stanford, it was still a win for the conference. And, and then the men, UCLA was a, you know, a 45-foot half-court shot by uh, Suggs from Gonzaga away from being in the championship game, bruh, like that's incredible. Absolutely incredible. It, it was cool, man. It, it, was, it was a fun ride. I'm, I'm bummed that we weren't making shows while it was going on, but I was definitely enjoying it. Um, Oregon State, absolutely fantastic. Hell of a ride. They ran into gas. Couldn't be mad at them. UCLA, you just have to I, – I spent so much time wondering what if. Like – I was so high on Chris Smith. I thought he should have stayed. I thought I I thought that he would have got drafted. I thought that he was one of the better prospects. And even if he didn't get drafted, we've seen guys come out of the Pac-12 have NBA executives ignore them and, and have success. Lou Dort scored 42 points the other night against the Utah Jazz. Unbelievable. Uh, Unbelievable. Um, this dude yeah, couldn't, this for dude a dude who couldn't, can't shoot score on anybody. Yeah, and he and so you know, but physically, all the tools are there, and that's how I feel about Chris Smith. I think he's got a lot of what um, NBA teams look for, and I, I think he—I don't know if he would have been UCLA's best player, but he would have helped, and and I think that that would have put him in a position to to potentially play for a national championship. But if you're the Pac-12, you got to be extremely proud of of what you accomplished and doing so without Arizona, without Arizona State, with University of Washington doing their usual thing where they whether they have first round talent or not seem to only win five or six games. Which is I don't understand how right? they pull that off, man. <laughs> they have had so many good players and it just has never translated into the level of success that they should be having. And I, I don't, I don't fully comprehend that, but, um, but, but yeah, I, I think, I think that, um, you know, I think USC is back, right. They're back. And now, are you sure no, they though? don't have I mean, sanctions dude, hanging dude, over their head? Mobley's gone. <laughs> like that's the best thing that they had going. The, but 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 they do this in basketball though. They'll have like a you know a um, oh what's the what's the dude's name who played in the NBA who's suspended right now uh, who went to USC. I don't Mayo DeRozan. Yes. Yes. Like, Yes, OJ OJ Mayo. Like they they have these OJ Mayo spurts where like they'll get a player, he'll be special, and then they'll be like, don't know if I like the phrase Mayo spurts. Oh, speaking speaking of that, since you, I, I'm going to if, if anybody who <laughs> listens to the Pac-12 of Basel knows that Ralph is super blushy, that he'll blush on you super quick. Uh, here we go. Today here is National go. Horny I'm just Day. Mute you. You did you really mute me? Like horn, like having horns. No, I'm, horny. I'm about to. No, national horny. Day. Horns like mute, like like horny toad. No, 
No. Like no, like Sun Devils. Like Sparky, like horns. No, like sex. I don't know what you're talking about. Horns like the guy that stormed the Capitol. Horns. Horny. Okay. All right. All right. Oh. <laughs> Horny mayo skirts. Wow. Wow. See, you started this. Not not me. You started it, but I will. You're finish. the one. You're the. Oh. You're going to finish? <laughs> I'm done. Uh, done. Podcast is over. He's going to finish. I'm done. <laughs> I don't like this show. This is going to result in some reviews. Uh, oh my god <laughs> okay well before we get to talking about arizona men's and women's bat- basketball rob how about you pull up the reviews then uh because we got two new okay. reviews all right give me a second i got the uh, upgraded to the iphone 12 so that has to take like the facial imprint now i said facial all right we're done we're done uh, i think we got to end the podcast here and uh, and never talk again. Okay, let's see here. Shows. I I actually listen to the Pac-12 Apostles because it's a great show, and I think I'm going to go leave a review. All right, here we go. Cinco Stars, March 24th, 2021, from mm-hmm. Guac Taco. Great username. As a Titans slash Reese's fan, I automatically disagree with most of the things George typically says, but I will still give you five stars. Great conversation and content on every episode. Keep up the good work, fellas. It's a good review. We got, uh, and then we got an update from our guy, five underscore zero underscore three. How about this tournament run? Love to see the packs start to get some respect. We are now officially a basketball league. LOL. What do you think of that? Are we a basketball league? Are we, are we, uh, cause we were, we were what? We were tennis and rowing. I think that no, Pac 12. No, and softball. Stop it. Softball, baseball. Okay, but that, when people say Conference of Champions, they're referring to all of that. So yeah. I think, yeah, I don't know. I think that we're, uh, I think we're still a Reggie Bush nostalgia conference, despite every good thing that has oh, happened God. since then. Um, okay. People we talk aren't... about Reggie Bush. People talk about Reggie Bush more than they talk about Marcus Mariota, more than they talk about the University of Washington team that made the deep run. Like the, this conference is still what Washington team made a super deep run? anchored. In what? The one the, the team that played Penn State in the Fiesta Bowl not that long ago. The Saquon Barkley went off against him in the second half. You're not recalling this? I was at the game, so I know what happened. In the wait, are you talking about when they when they played in the playoff? I'm talking about the cornerstone of the Pac-12 North, the University of Washington Huskies football you team. You better watch your mouth, buddy. You better watch it. You better watch your mouth. Um, they didn't. They made a deep run and shit. <laughs> they made it to the college football playoff and got their doors blown off in the college football playoff. Yeah, during a down year for Oregon. So what? Okay. Okay. Well, anyway, people are still clamoring for the Reggie Bush lineup. Like this conference is still hung up on that. That more so than anything else that has happened since. You have to win a championship. Like there's no way around it. Like you have to. 
And I would venture to guess that even if they hadn't won, even if they hadn't won, and I know that it contributed to their overall legacy, but even if they hadn't won, even if it was only that team that lost to Vince Young, I think that would be what mm-hmm. people no way, think dude. of when they think of the Pac-12. No way. Because, I mean, well, at SC, yes, because they've had the most historical success. But over the last 20 years, Oregon has had the most success, but they haven't closed the deal. They haven't won a national championship. And so that is a stain on the conference. Part of it, yeah. I mean, like, so I can admit it. My Oregon Ducks, we've lost in the national championship twice. You have to win one for people to stop talking shit. It's a fact. Um, But the other part about Reese's and peanut butter and all that stuff. So for you guys that don't know, Ralph, Ralph, sometimes he does the devil's work. And he sent me, (laughs) look at his face. His face looks like, wait, what? So he was doing the devil's work when he sent me a picture of some what you what you me picture oh some damn oh no no it was on this podcast the uh the Reese's peanut butter the Reese's peanut butter cup company oh, peanut butter peanut butter yeah yeah and not that great yeah and somebody hit us on the text line so you guys can hit always hit us on the text line 818-293-7547. 818-293-7547. If you want to text us, somebody text us a picture of those Reese's chocolateless peanut butter cups. He was like, this is for you, Ralph. No chocolate. The all peanut butters? Yes. So, uh, and I think I text this to you as well. The Harris Teeter, which is like the like Kroger grocery store out here in North Carolina. Um, we got here right after the Easter holiday. And so they go and they put all the Easter candy on discount. Yeah. And, um, have you, have you noticed, um, maybe you're not like a, a, a candy hog, like, like me, but have you noticed just like the price of the candy bars in the grocery store aisles keep going up and up. I have no idea how much, like, gross, I have no idea how much a candy bar costs. I would, I would no, assume you're, a you're, that's, you know what's funny because you said that this has gone up and up and up. You know what's funny is what? I know for a fact that you do eat candy sometimes. So it's not coming from a place of like, I don't eat candy. You just pulled the, um, and rest in peace to her, but you just pulled the mother from Arrested Development. You're like, it's a banana, Michael. What could it cost? $10? <laughs> you have no idea what a candy bar costs because you just throw it in the cart and just put the card in the thing and don't pay any attention to the screen. Correct. I... I spent my, okay, so I did spend my childhood, we'd ride our bikes down to like Circle K or Target or whatever, we'd collect the change out of the out of the couch and, and get like 55 cents could get you a, a Reese's or a Butterfinger. Now it's like two bucks. No so way. So I'm saying there's, there's some, see, there's some see, inflation. Price see, of, the, price the of cocoa, chocolate going up. I really ever eat is a Snickers bar, right? But hold it. Oh, I do know the price of a, ch- of, of a bar, dude. Uh, because I will get like a Lent a lint chocolate milk chocolate bar with 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 hazelnuts that's one of my favorite ones right that thing is like 439 or 479 somewhere some, somewhere in there that's a lot of do you pay in bitcoin that's quite the <laughs> what <laughs> okay pay in bitcoin this is going to become just a candy po- podcast because i also i don't know the difference between 
and hazelnut and chocolate. Like Nutella to me is just chocolate. No, sauce. no, 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 That's no, 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 no. It actually has the hazelnuts in it, like sliced up, like like almonds. It's not hazelnut flavor. It's actual hazelnuts. Yeah. I know. I know what an almond is. I've seen an almond tree, but what's a hazelnut? I've never in my life. Like, what do they even come from? Is there a hazelnut tree? Of is it the bark of a, a hazelnut tree? What do you What do you think it know. is? It, it It's a nut, just like a. I don't a know because I don't have four dollars and seventy cents to spend on a candy bar. <laughs> this is how much good chocolate costs. Anyway, back to the story. Back to the story. So. Easter that they they discount and I never understand because I feel like fat people like me will still go and buy the full price Easter candy, um, but the second the 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 holiday ends that next day they there's like seventy five percent off everything, and they had Reese's peanut butter cups that were marshmallow coated, yeah, so marshmallow over the chocolate over the peanut butter, and I bought like three of them. Are you what do you think of that? Was it any good? Yeah, and it was okay. It wasn't good. It, it was doing too much is what it felt like. Yeah. Um, I did concede your point. I did concede your point on peanut butter and chocolate. Uh, the other day I was talking to somebody, and it has to be like they have to – it can't just be peanut butter and chocolate. You can't take a Hershey's bar and dip it in a in a thing of Skippy and take a bite. That's not good. That's weird. Well, you should not be eating Hershey bars. They, they taste like dirt. First thing, uh, like the the uh, chocolate's grainy in there. Have you noticed that? It's grainy. No, no I don't. You, if I'm gonna eat a chocolate bar, I don't eat. I don't. I don't just get a, a Hershey's bar. I like the dude, like the Dove little things. Dude, there is a bar that I forget what what brand it is. It, it has like chocolate. And it has a s'mores flavor. It's got little bitty real marsh marshmallows attached to each little square. And it's got like graham crackers in it too. Dude, it tastes just like a s'more. It's amazing. Um, but that one's like five bucks. It's not a sm Oh, God dang. Where? Uh, where? God, you're, you're, you're like paying ballpark prices for your candy. <laughs> Dude, anyway, I right. swear to God, this is a sports podcast. You are incorrect about... The, the best cookie in the world, peanut butter cookie with a chocolate star no! in the middle. Are you crazy? No, the best. There are two options for best best cookies with a runner up. The runner up is oatmeal raisin. Runner up. Second best oh, cookie. People are going to. You just made people throw <laughs> their phone out the window while driving. No one likes oatmeal raisin cookies. Are you crazy? No, they are. Fantastic. The only reason. The only reason oatmeal raisin cookies exist, and I don't mind them, they're not terrible. The only reason oatmeal raisin cookies exist is because they're easier to make. They're for people who are like beginner cookie bakers. Oh my. Are you serious right now? Dead serious. Oh my God. Okay. And then the second best cookie. Oatmeal raisin. Okay. Second best cookie. Is. Um. Is oh is white chocolate macadamia nut cookie warm? Okay, number one. I don't know why it has to be warm, but I'm with you. Number one, a chocolate chip cookie. It is by far the best cookie. It is a superior cookie than any other cookie that there is. Except there's this 
cookie place here called Milk Jug, who makes these thick cookies with the they 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 actually make a a, a, a white chocolate raspberry cookie, which is probably one of the best things I've ever had in my whole life. Okay, well, there's definitely too much wiggle room on a chocolate chip cookie. Like, there's too many ways to screw it up. There's too many. Like, you can have a bad, bad chocolate chip cookie. No, you can't. Everybody's from got a, a different. From, so, from like a the good the chocolate potential. Chip. I'm talking about the potential a good is there chip. for chocolate chip. So, how the hell can right, a peanut fine. butter it's cookie a, be, be be better? It's more sophisticated. Like, and no, there's putting, only like one or two ways to make a peanut butter cookie. Peanut butter cookies are probably 10th on the list, dude. I would rather have a snickerdoodle cookie, a a sugar cookie, uh, uh, the, okay. You're sleeping on, you're I, I don't, sleeping on the funfetti. I don't eat brownies, right? I think brownies are completely over, overrated. Brownies, fudge. Very weird. But. You're, but you're, right, you're, people are going to be screaming into their earphones right now. You don't like brownies. You think oatmeal raisin is the third best cookie. You don't think peanut butter and chocolate go together, and you pay five dollars for your candy bars. And peanut butter cookies are below brownies. Yeah, you should put a brownie on top of your peanut butter cookie. Absolutely, I agree. No, I mean like they're they're worse in the in the in the cookie brownie power rankings okay okay I, we're gonna have to get somebody who is in, responsible for the official voting for the cookie brownie power rankings on the podcast until then we need to move on to the next topic okay i'm hungry as hell <laughs> all right so um we were talking about arizona men's and women's basketball so arizona hired a new coach and ralph put up a corny tweet he put up a picture of uh, what's <laughs> what's the dude's name? Tommy Callahan. Yes, Tommy Boy. Yes. So he put up a picture of. Wait, no, 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 no. What's the the new Arizona's new coach name? Oh, Tommy Lloyd. Yes, Tommy Lloyd. Ralph tweeted out a picture of Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber as the second picture, and the first picture was. Tommy boy. So he was like, Arizona hired a new, new, new coach. It was like one of those word, like one of those picture games where it's like Tommy, boy, Tommy Lloyd. So what do you yeah, know about I, uh, this for everybody? Arizona, former Arizona. Oh, okay. Deserty. Um, I, it's Tommy Lloyd's, I think a good hire. I, there's a lot of Arizona fans that are upset. Um, they wanted to see Sean Miller finish out his contract or even be extended. And I'm sympathetic to that because if you look at some of the stuff that's gone on surrounding Arizona basketball, as far as book Richardson going to jail, ESPN reporting stuff that they never backed up and never taking it back. Um, just the endless allegations and ongoing NCAA investigation. I'm not saying university of Arizona is a victim, but like if you were with, within that under that black cloud you had to be absolutely sick of it right and it's not like sean miller has done a terrible job as head coach of university of arizona five years ago they won like 32 games four years ago they won 27 games in the last five years they have eight draft picks overall six first round draft picks um and one of the things that i think is a huge credit to university of arizona's program and tell me if if you disagree with this is sean miller gets his guys drafted ahead of where they should be 
because of all of the people that have been drafted out of University of Arizona in the last six years, the only one who's really lived up to his draft positioning is probably Lori Markinen, who went ninth overall. Um, everybody else is 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 struggling, <laughs> right? So you got. So, um, so do you think it was the? And I don't think DeAndre Ayton is struggling, but Luke. I think that or do you I, I just think, think it's that it got exhausting. The I, lack of tournament success. The lack of tournament success was not helpful, but I think that it got exhausting for University of Arizona to I, I think they just wanted to turn the page and they wanted a fresh start. And can you really blame them? They stood by him. It never really went away. It dragged on. They self-imposed a penalty. And Sean they Miller, it's not did like what Kansas did. Just gave him a lifetime contract. They could have done that, but here's here's the issue. They hired Jed Fish, okay? And I think Jed Fish's hiring contributed to Sean Miller's dismissal, and here's why. Kevin Sumlin was not good with the media. He was not good with the Tucson community. He was not welcoming. He was not open. He did not do a good job promoting the program, and he didn't yeah. do a good job of recruiting. When they brought in Jed Fish, he came in and he did the exact opposite of Kevin Sumlin in, in every single one of those areas. He hit local recruiting hard. He's super friendly with the media. He opened up practices. He was on social media doing a good job. And I think that President Robbins and Athletic Director Dave Heek looked at that and they were like, wow, you know, Sean Miller has been under the cloud of this scandal for the last few years. He's not on social media. He's surly with the media when he's in person. Wait, he's not they don't on do social a good media job. at all? No, Sean Miller doesn't even have a Twitter account. How no. are you going to be a, a college head coach not on social media? That's what I'm saying. I think bringing in Jed Fish gave them a breath of fresh air and outlined what they probably wanted to look for in a head basketball coach, which was somebody who was going to come in, give them that fresh start, and and was going to be somebody who um, was able to engage with the local community, was going to be somebody who the national community wasn't headhunting, whether it was justified or not, and is going to be somebody who who is able to represent himself out in in the world and, and on social media and things like that. Um, and I think that they feel like they found that in Tommy Lloyd. Tommy Lloyd is a rare specimen. He's a 20-year assistant of Mark Few at Gonzaga. Um, and it, and, you know, depending on how much credit you want to give him for Gonzaga's success, you know, there's a lot of University of Arizona fans who feel like the school of Lute Olson shouldn't stoop to the level of hiring somebody else's assistant coach. <laughs> and in the process, they were like, we need to hire Eric Musselman. What did Eric Musselman used to be? An assistant, An assistant. coach. Like, like <laughs> right. Like what did Josh Pastner used to be? An assistant coach. They yep. just wanted to stay within the family. Right. Um, which, which I totally understand, but Tommy Lloyd was an assistant to, to Mark Few for 20 years. Gonzaga, the last two times that they went head to head with University of Arizona, they beat their ass. Yep, he's a good off. recruiter. He's got, yeah, he's got international ties. And Sean Miller already started to steer University of Arizona basketball into, into, instead of going after one and done's bringing in the best international talent. And so I think that Tommy Lloyd is going to be able to continue to foster those relationships and take them in that direction. And I think he just gives them a fresh start. So overall, I think it's a good hire. I don't understand why people are upset. I don't understand why people are panicking. Um, do I think that Sean Miller deserves to be fired? I don't, I don't, I don't think that he deserved 
to be fired, but that's just the way this business works. The one thing that did make me laugh is University of Arizona came out and they were like, hey, he was integral in helping these 12 players over the last 20 years from Gonzaga get to the NBA, like yeah. Adam Morrison, like Roni Turioff, you know, like all, all, all these other guys. And I looked at that and I kind of laughed because I was like, 12 NBA players? That's light work for Sean Miller. <laughs> Right. Yeah, like, well, it, it should like be with work. the, with the way so, they recruit, though, right? Yes. And it, which was a big part of how, well, if you want to believe that, you know, that they were doing things on the up and up, then Sean Miller did have a lot to do with some of those recruits that, 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 that they were getting. And they got to hope that they can continue to recruit at a at a high level. But it's it is curious because there's all this hype around Bobby Hurley, all this hype around, you know, Arizona State University coming up and over the last five years, University of Arizona went seven and three against ASU. So Sean Miller was recruiting well. He was getting guys to the NBA above what their value was. Like there is no question that guys from University of Arizona are getting drafted higher than they should have consistently. And I think that has to do with Sean Miller. They had success against ASU. They were making it to the tournament. They had a 32 win season. They had a 27 win season in recent history. And and even with everything going on and even with imposing the penalty upon themselves, they still won five games against tournament teams last year. They went five and six against teams that made the NCAA tournament. I think that's pretty good considering that 11 of their players were sophomores and younger and seven of their players were born outside the United States. I yeah. think that all of that was is a good resume for Sean Miller deserving to go on and continue to coach University of Arizona. But I also think Tommy Lloyd's a great hire. Two things can be true, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I think that it remains to be seen. They took a page out of the Jed Fish book, did it again. So if, they, if they're right, dude, this will turn out to be like a fantastic, two fantastic hires. But Arizona basketball is... They got to feel good. Yeah, and Arizona they, basketball they, they is They have to feel good because good. USC... But USC just just got like way less sanctions than people thought they were going to get. So yep. U of A has to feel pretty good about where they're at right now. Yes. And the fact that they, it's funny, they self-imposed sanctions, but they weren't going to the tournament anyway. So it didn't matter. <laughs> that was, so I guess. Um, NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, speaking of U.S. Oh, well, actually, before we get to them, you want to talk about the uh, Arizona's women's basketball team who made it to the finals. They just got a transfer from Oregon. They got a good recruiting class. This should be a team that's going to be good again next year. Um, but their coach was kind of the star of the show. Like she caused a little bit of controversy, but also like her being a mom out there coaching, doing all this. I was like, yo, I was all in on, on her. Okay. So first of all, let's, let's get to the controversy first, because that's probably the fun one. Um, Adia Barnes is the head coach of University of Arizona basketball. I remember there was a lot of hype when she got hired by U of A. Um, she she has definitely helped them get good quick. A couple of years ago, they were not very good at all, and and now they are. Um, you know, let's put it this way: the last time they made the NCAA tournament, George, two thousand five. Yeah, yeah. two thousand five. That was, and damn, they went to the championship. Yes. Yes. So the, they went, they went three years in a row. Oh, three, Oh, four, Oh five. Haven't been back since they went to the national championship and were one pretty decent look at the basket away from being national champions. And they knocked off number one, UConn by 10 points. I don't know when the last time UConn lost by 10 was. So, you know, it's, I I think, I think, and then uh, on, on top of all that, Adia Barnes was passionate. She went double middle fingers up in their uh, win over UConn, which made social media blow up. What did you think of that? Because there were a lot of people that were like, this is unbecoming. This doesn't promote sportsmanship. A woman shouldn't talk like that. I don't give a damn, dude. Like, this creates a little... I, I think it's a bad look only because... You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to be throwing middle fingers up if it feels seems like it's going to relate against another team or something like that. But in reality... Dude, let people celebrate. How they gonna celebrate? If the if UConn is gonna be mad about it, let them put them on a schedule or let them get them in a tournament ne- ne- next year and and you know and put it put it on them that way. You get a chance to get your revenge. Those are the things yeah, that and actually I think, make I think you, sports you, great. Yeah, UConn's smart enough to know that that wasn't directed toward them. Yeah, that was directed toward any anybody who thought that University of Arizona didn't belong on the court. And I'll say this, you know, some of the people that were upset, if they were truly upset, if they weren't just looking for a reason to be mad, some of the people that were upset, I don't know if they've ever been in a locker room because some of the most morally upstanding, religious, steadfast, fruit of the spirit displaying coaches that I've <laughs> ever been around, man, when they're in the locker room, 
they sound like they're in a Tarantino film. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like, remember yeah. when I remember when we remember when we said that Kyle Whittingham would never be the one to have fed those anonymous quotes to Bruce Feldman because they had so many F words in them. Oh, and then we got funny. a bunch of messages from Utah fans. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> we got oh, a bunch well, of messages you from Utah fans. Well, you like, don't yeah. know uh, <laughs> Whittingham then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I don't know. I thought it was funny. Yeah. Right? Like she was talking to her team. It was within the huddle. It wasn't like she said it to Holly Rowe on the sideline or something. Like she she and it was it was brief. It wasn't like she held them up to the sky, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, um, but like I do- take this bitches. <laughs> yeah. Uh the I she has got a great personality. She's great for the women's game. I loved that she w- because everyone's like, "Oh, her being the story takes away from the women." Like, no, no you weren't talking about them. It adds to it. Yeah, you need like it stars. adds to it. it. Makes you want to tune in and see what she does next. Yep. Yep. Can I tell you one thing that made me uncomfortable? What? I saw a lot of people celebrating her. Um. See if we get can get ourselves in trouble on this podcast. I saw a lot of people celebrating her for being a new mom. Okay. Um, and having to do stuff like uh pump breast milk at halftime and wake up early on the day of the championship because her kid didn't sleep right. Um and I saw a lot of women in particular were like, Man, Adia Barnes is a badass, right? She's what a badass. Um, I I took it a different way. I was like, okay. man, this this sucks. <laughs> this whole thing sucks. Cause you you know you know how you know what it's like having a an infant. Yes, and you but but you but you're trying to perform at a high level, locked in, focused, and all of that. So I actually thought she was a badass. Like I was like, yo, like that sucks, but she is but she's performing at a high level. Then it also made me think about how difficult it is for women a lot of times, because if you want to have a career and to have a family, like, like when, when my kids are being born, that didn't stop me from playing football. Like it didn't, I mean, I didn't like, like granted, like, yeah, you may have to miss a workout for a doctor's visit or something like, like that. But aside from that, it didn't stop me. I didn't have to, you know, get a C-section or heal up after and then try to go back and be out like Serena. Nah, it was, it was just, yeah. I'm not comparing men and women because it's, it's like apples to bananas. So it could not be more different um, of a situation, but every time a guy is out there playing uh, a sport or on a road trip and he's got an infant at home, never is my thought like, Oh, what a badass!" It's always like, damn, like, like our our maternity and paternity in this country needs a lot of work. People should be spending time with their newborn kid, the most important thing in the entire world. And so it was more of like, this was more of an issue of necessity and she was getting the job done and it was cool to see that it's possible. But at the same time, I felt bad. Like I felt really bad for her. I was like, man, it would be, I'm sure she would, she would really love to be focused on, just like I in the situation, you know, um, that I was in, like when, when had an infant and had to go do something or whatever, I was like, I wish I was at home, you yeah. know? And so I just, I didn't take it as, um, 
I will say that a lot of the women in sports media who I who were talking about how hardcore she was, I think quite a few of them maybe didn't have kids. <laughs> yeah. Cause it was like, yeah, yeah. Cause there's, there's part of, you got to realize like what she was doing. It wasn't like she was lifting heavy weights. Yeah. It, it was, was an inconvenience. It, yes. It, it was, was a burden. Parents right. do on top of your normal job. And it's like, hard. <laughs> right. Yes, yeah. And it, and yeah. And I would rather have somebody like pat me on the back than be like, Hey, like you're killing it. You're I'd rather have somebody pat me on the back and be like, Hey, I see you. Like, yeah. I know this is an ideal. I see you. It wasn't yeah. like, I just saw all these people celebrating her. And I was like, man, this is actually a lot harder than a lot of these people. I don't think a lot of these people have kids. This situation of her having to get up three hours earlier than she would have wanted to. Cause her kid was crying on the day of the championship. The, the idea that they had to limit the amount of like people that they could bring, um, like because somebody the missed the bubble because of her baby, like, and, and that having to be on her, uh, but she had to be so exhausted. Like yeah. you bur- like well, the, the, one of the, another thing people don't know about like pumping breast milk or whatever, pumping breast milk burns like more calories than running a marathon. Yeah. Like breastfeeding right. fucks you up. Like I hate <laughs> to curse on the podcast, but like, I don't know. I just, I, I, I'm not trying to be controversial or anything like that. I just saw a lot of people celebrating a thing that was that actually like, there was controversial because you're get, giving her big props. Uh, the, the last thing we got up today, the PAC 12 networks had a surplus. Great job, Larry Scott. You did it, buddy. You finally did it. You know how he did it? By cutting you know it, how he did it? By cutting the entire staff. <laughs> Um, so his projection was when he made the presentation back in 2012 to the, uh, well, 2011 or 2012 of the PAC 12 networks, Scott's presentation to the campus officials said that their high end payouts would be seven to $10 million per school, middle five to seven and low three to five per year. Well, this is the first year that they've even hit the 3 million mark. First year, and they had to fire everybody to do it, put in remote cameras that are coming in, you know, like like they have for the NFHS uh, high school stuff. Like, there's a lot of stuff, man. NFHS, the worst broadcasting company in the history of the world. Always good to model your business after the NFHS. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so this is the first trying to, time. Trying to tune in and trying to tune in and watch a high school football game and the student camera operator has zoomed in on his crush in the 18th row <laughs> missing an entire series. Right. Gotta love the NFHS. Right. So it's a surplus of $45 million, 3.75 um, distribution to each campus. First time ever. And Larry Scott's like, see, I told you guys it's coming. See, look, see, look, you guys kick, kick me out as soon as I got, I'm getting the thing rolling, even though you have to fire every damn body to get that to to be done and have a, not a lot of a sports televised and all of that. It's a, all right, buddy. Yeah. So in order to pay people, your network had to fail. The one thing that you told everyone justified them not getting paid. So your success is an admission of failure. That's how dysfunctional his reign was. Yep. Good riddance. Yep. Exactly. 100%. Um, the, oh, yeah. 
so so yeah so that's so that's it guys that's the pack 12 apostles we are back ralph is stable sort of hopefully he doesn't fall through the floor when he's hey dude you have to watch the money pit you you have to um yeah hopefully is it gonna like is it is it gonna upset me like am i gonna be able to be entertained Yes, yes, you are going to <laughs> laugh, but you but you may cry at the same time. Or or is it going to be like when I went to Saving Private Ryan and there were like World War II vets in the theater? Oh no, no, no. sobbing. <laughs> oh, so, oh, so oh so so you're saying that you're going to be like the World War II vet, but in terms of the house buying version, maybe, maybe that. Maybe. <laughs> That's I just want to know. if. If it's going to trigger, because it's not even PTSD at this point. It's just TSD. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So it, it, it may. It may. But but you're going to laugh along the way. It's funny. It's hilarious. I don't know if and I can you, do it. I'll do it for you. Situation. I'll do it for you. Yes, please. It's going to be hilarious. You guys, this is the Pac-12 Apostles Podcast. You guys, thank you guys for listening. Peace out. Catch you guys next week. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.